0: Welcome to episode 374 with my guest, Jesse Dean Altman. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the mental illness happy hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. Uh, the show's not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. That should be pretty obvious, but, um, yeah, I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's
1: more like a waiting room
0: that doesn't suck. our website is mentalpod.com. Mental Pod is also the Twitter handle and Instagram handle uh, you can follow me at. Um, a I don't know how to how to explain this. A guest that I recorded three weeks ago. She sat on my couch um, in my home and she talked about working with um vets with PTSD. And Friday uh, a few hours after I put out the last podcast uh she this and this was in the national news she was taken hostage and uh, with two other therapists and uh, the gunman killed her and the other two therapists and then uh, took his his life and um, I try to avoid talking about things that are in the news because I want each episode to be as kind of evergreen as it can be. Um, But it, the gun violence in this country, um, the violence in general, um, can't we go to the source of what this is? We're so used to slapping some too-little-too-late bandage on it with some macho fucking tone to it. I mean, arming teachers. am, Am I in a waking nightmare that that is actually being considered? We teach algebra. Who the fuck uses algebra? Yet every day, 50 times a day, We need to function how to understand what we're feeling, what we're thinking, and how we can get through our day while successfully trying to communicate to other people. And nobody teaches us that. You know, this obsession with cutting taxes, it affects things other than people's taxes. I don't know if that vet would have done what he did if he'd gotten more care from the government. But shouldn't we try? Shouldn't the 1% pay a little more? I've just had an ass full of America And I don't know whether or not to air the episode because I don't want it to be exploitive. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the best thing to do. Maybe it's what she should have wanted. So I've had a mutual friend say, you know, I said to her when the time is right, you know, reach out to her family and ask how they feel about it. But um, I am just so tired of the toxic violent approach to emotional issues. Issues. (laughs) Not only in our society, but around the world. It's just, it wears on you. It wears on you. (sighs) Sorry to (laughs) start on such a bright note. Um, I want to read An email I got from, uh, Eve, and she writes, uh, hi Paul, hope you're doing well. I just had a confusing interaction with someone and I just wonder if you have any insight into it. I don't know if I've ever heard you discuss this type of behavior on your show. I have a friend in my circle of friends who is challenging. Sometimes we'll invite her to join us for coffee, etc., and she'll insist we don't really want her to join us. At that point, I'll, I drop it and let her make the call. Other people end up pleading with her that they really like her, want her to join us, etc. Perhaps that is what she ultimately wants from others, reassurance. This morning, she did join a group of us for coffee and she sat at the table, not saying much. I started to get the feeling that every other thing I said offended her, even though the content of my conversation wasn't offensive at all. Eventually, she looked teary-eyed, said she wasn't feeling good, and left early. This happens often with her, and she treats many people this way. My friends and I keep her as a friend because she can often be great, very supportive, etc. In the past, I've talked to her a little about her behavior, and she admits she often later realizes the persecution she feels is not real. I've gently suggested counseling, but she's not going for it. I do not take her behavior personally, but maybe I do. I'm struck by how unsettled I now feel after the sort of interaction with her that happened this morning. It is unfair. It's like walking on eggshells. Why do people behave this way? I'm surprised that a grown woman acts like this. It reminds me a little of a jerk boyfriend I had when I was young. Uh, he would just start acting mean for no apparent reason and would always just explain, I'm in a mood, uh, as if I should accept him treating me like shit because of the way he felt. Now that I'm writing this, this situation looks ridiculous. I'm on a quest to surround myself with healthier people. And for the most part, I'm succeeding. I just don't know how to handle this one friend. She really does have some great qualities, but I grow weary of her bullshit. She is clearly troubled. I'm trying to work up the courage to tell her how her behavior affects me. Uh, and to maybe let her go, um and I wrote back uh I think you should be honest about what you experience when dealing with her and how it affects you um a reasonable request and a friend is it. If they have issues that affect their relationships negatively, that they take some kind of action to get help for it. And if she's unwilling to do that, then I think the healthy thing is to take a break from her until she is willing to change or trying to change. Uh, remind her that you do care for her, but it saps your energy being around her. And since you're not a mental health professional, you're not equipped to help her. And maybe say that if she needs help finding a therapist, you're willing to help her. Um, And then uh, she wrote back and said, "Uh, thanks, Paul, that makes sense. And I'll aim to be honest with her about what I experienced with her. I'd be happy to help her find a therapist too. Um, And you're asking, Paul, is this just a really obvious lead-in to your sponsorship by betterhelp.com online therapy? And the answer would be, Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, No, but I I think that's a really, um, that's a a bind a lot of people get in and they don't know, is this me sticking up for myself or is this me being a shitty friend? Uh, And that's hard, man, because codependency is so sneaky. And her friend is clearly hurting, but it's not up to you to be to take the brunt of this person's sickness in your relationship and it is weird because there's a there's a part of us that needs to show up for our friend but our friend has to show up for herself that's that's what I'm trying to say i no longer tolerate people in my life who expect me to show up for them when they don't show up for themselves there there we go make that into a t-shirt and then get the fuck away from me. Am I making you walk on eggshells around me? Anyway, yes. BetterHelp.com is our sponsor. I love them. I love my therapist. It was nice to to have Donna, uh, my therapist, to talk to Monday after this again uh, outbreak of of violence. Point um, numbness pays off sometimes. I swear to God between uh you know 2 years ago seeing the suicide by cop and then the shooting at my support group or outside my support group a month ago and then the news of this uh, i'm just um it was nice to talk to a a well equipped therapist who deals with um trauma and um PTSD and all of that shit and i i don't know what it is that if there's a name for what it is I'm going through, but it was just nice to um, feel validated. And I think you should check out betterhelp.com. Everybody that I've sent there uh, says good things about it. And um, yeah, go to betterhelp.com slash mental. Make sure you include the slash mental part. Uh, Fill out a questionnaire, and then they'll match you up with a uh, betterhelp.com counselor, and then you can experience a free week of... uh, Counseling to see if online counseling is right for you. And you need to be over 18. I want to read just... This This is just a portion of a shame and secret survey that uh, a person named Blue T-Rex filled out. And this is such a fucking profound sentence. Um, I just kept reading it over and over again. And it seems obvious... Uh, But I'd never thought about it. And they write, there is no greater conflict than being in fear of someone you love. There's a part of me inside that I don't want anyone to know about because it's weird and gross and lame and people will hate me. <laughs> I'm here with Jesse Dean Altman, and um, you are originally from here in and, and Brooklyn. Um, you're a uh, dog walker by day. You're a writer by night. You've contributed to The Onion. Uh, you've contributed to uh, and continue to Contribute to Lady Parts magazine, which yeah. is a really funny magazine.
1: I do some stuff for some e-cards now. They're letting me write some stuff for them on the site, not the greeting cards. I'm terrible. I'm terrible at the greeting cards, but they uh, have a regular website, so I'm allowed to write some stuff for them. Uh,
0: your your issues are uh, OCD, um, intrusive thoughts, uh, which is always a sweet combo. <laughs> um, <laughs> treatment resistant depression uh intense fear of rejection am i missing anything
1: i mean i'm sure you are but i can't i can't remember <laughs> right now um i mean that that pretty much covers it i'm i think i think i'm a sensitive person i think i'm just really sensitive and um, i think like with everything um it's one of those things where you know you need to be a certain amount of sensitive um to be a human but uh I feel overly, probably overly sensitive to everything around me. Um, so it's just um, I get overwhelmed uh, a lot by you know loud noises or crowds. Um, I'm not, I don't have anxiety about them so much. I just they tire me out. I think is what it is. You don't consider that to be to be anxiety. <laughs> being like tired
0: yeah being uh, feeling drained by s- I- stuff you know for me um it i had never called what i have anxiety but um the more I like how I'm taking my shoes off without even asking I, you, is I heard okay? the one
1: where you, were, you said, like, I'm taking my shoes off. How does that grab you? And I thought that was so funny. Um, I'm fine with it. You go um, ahead. What if I made you put them back
0: on? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'd be okay with that. I just wouldn't air your episode. Um, I guess the more I think about anxiety... Uh, and its relationship to feeling drained, the more I mm-hmm. think that it's kind of a low-level anxiety that is our normal so that we don't experience it necessarily as anxiety. It's more, um, I don't know, do you understand what I'm, what uh, yeah, I'm trying to say? Yeah, I absolutely
1: do, and I do. If you if you consider it in that way, then, yeah, that's a level of anxiety. um I I think it it has depended for me, you know, when I'm seeing therapists, different um, doctors or different therapists will classify different feelings as different things. It's a stupid sentence. But um, I have been, I'm I'm a very, I naturally am a very angry person, which is really, it's not a fun thing to be. It's not um, a really angry person. Like, um, and I find that I get, you know, annoyed really easily. um, And, I had one therapist who, um, I have been on anti-anxiety drugs a lot, Um, uh, lorazepam and Ativan. Um, Any of the vans. Any of the vans. They're they're nice people. The
0: the vans are nice people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're good, so they come from good stuff.
1: Yeah, so I've spent a lot of time in the van. And um, I had one therapist who told me, yeah, if you are feeling super... uh, aggro, super, you know, ang- angry and, and just really irritable, um, you feel like you're being dragged around by your anger because you're not in control of it. You feel like, and that, that can count as, as anxiety, so if you feel like that, then that's, you know, that's when you should be, you know, maybe taking something. Mm-hmm. But I never really understood if that was, you know, it, it's hard to know, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm always, um...
0: Your, your 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 mouth is getting a little, uh... Gross. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot
1: um it probably happens a lot because dry mouth is a, a side effect of so, yes. so many drugs <laughs> um yeah i just i i feel like uh i guess yeah there are different things that could be called anxiety i don't think of them as anxiety i
0: do you think that's that's because it's our normal
1: yeah i think just because i've always felt this way yeah um, and my mom's really angry. And so I was raised around somebody really angry, really angry. So I didn't even know uh, that there was anything, that that wasn't normal. I didn't really know that people didn't always react that way. Um, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really notice so much whether other people are doing things or not doing things.
0: That's true. Let, let's talk about the intrusive thoughts. Um we we talked about it briefly uh, a, a little while before we started recording. Um, how? What are some of the intrusive thoughts you have? How do you feel about them?
1: Well, uh, now I'm just going to have intrusive thoughts that my mouth is making weird sounds. <laughs> it,
0: you would be surprised how many um, uh, guests I have that I have to keep pointing at the at the water. Mostly because the microphones we get them so close that it picks up every yeah. tiny little yeah. little thing. Um, but, the, but the listeners we have that have misophonia, I'm really trying to look out for them because they're like, <laughs> I couldn't get through that episode. The person with a dry mouth. And, you know, I have to please everybody. Otherwise, yeah. I'm a terrible human. Now
1: I understand. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think that it just, um, I, don't, I don't even know when. In, I think I've had intrusive thoughts a really long time. And, like, with so many things, um, it's all background until you start to focus on, like, what exactly are you doing? What is your brain doing? Um, and so I've always had these weird thoughts that would pop up um, and be just sort of uncomfortable, sad thoughts. Um, For example? When I was a kid, it would always be about disappointing my parents, uh, like, on purpose. Like, what if I did something really horrible? Um, specifically, I remember, I mean, even as a teenager, I had, um, I had pet rats. Um And I would imagine what if i like what if I just took one and threw it against the wall, which I would never i mean in a thousand years that 's like i can 't even watch movies where that happens you would be
0: shocked at how many people have that exact same thing i mean
1: i 'm not i mean I'm not sh- i mean, 'm not even shocked because um, like I mentioned, and my brother um, also had some he ha- this is so strange he had he was waiting for a magazine when he was a kid that he really wanted. And it, when it came, I think he tore it in half. Um, and he didn't know why he did that. And he was really upset. And I remember uh, hearing him on the phone with my, my father, I think. And my father was like, that's okay. No, we'll get you another one. And, and my father trying to make it be all right. And I think that part of the intrusive thoughts were about um, putting my parents in positions where they'd have to make it all right. Um, which, you know, they couldn't. or what, but, So you,
0: know. you think maybe it was your kind of uh, backdoor way of getting comfort from your parents?
1: I, I mean, maybe I don't. I think maybe I don't know. I, that's the thing with intrusive thoughts. You don't really know. What what causes them? I think, like we were talking about earlier, about our brains just being assholes. Such, to us.
0: such assholes, um, just, I, worse than the worst high school bully.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it it picks what's going to upset you the most. I mean, every, there are tons of things that are upsetting. Genocide is upsetting, you know. Um, I'm actually okay you're with good genocide. With it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, we've got to thin the herd. <laughs> and if we're going to, I want something that's going to be entertaining on TV.
1: Right. Okay, so genocide is good. So um, I was going to say, yeah, you know, like people in pain. But maybe that's, that's also... I'm
0: also down yeah. with that because then I feel better about myself. I'm actually, I'm okay with any kind of horror yeah. as long as it doesn't uh, affect me. Do you know what? There is actually a tiny bit of of truth to that if it was something that happened in the past that that is done with i mean just a sliver and and it's in in and i've shared this many times with the listeners it's in watching a documentary it brings me this odd comfort that my life isn't that bad
1: oh yeah which is horribly selfish. i definitely have that absolutely
0: you're fascinated by serial killers and psychopaths as i am
1: yes oh you are
0: oh God yes,
1: yes, and but I think for me, because it's so foreign, it's so um, I could never. I, I, I think that's part of the draw to it right? too, isn't it? Yeah, because but also I when I really understood about psychopaths, I remember saying to a friend, um, "We were like, how great would that be, though? I mean, imagine how much you would be able to get done, <laughs> like <laughs> all the money you could I, make." Exactly. I mean, imagine you know, and we find out that a lot of them are just lying all the time. Like, imagine if you could just convincingly lie your way through life and have no problem with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm super interested in it the same way I'm interested in in sharks because they're like kind of monstrous, but they're real. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike vampires, which, you know, maybe are maybe are real. But I mean, and they I,
0: don't know. The, they don't know that they're monsters. Sharks don't know that they're monsters.
1: Right. But I think that psychopaths sometimes do know that they're monsters. I think that they do. Right. They realize it at some point because
0: it's just what they do with the information. That right. They, that they, they don't take it in. And
1: I, can't, I always think about what could possibly like I get the idea of not having feelings, but I guess saying that is not the same as getting the idea. Mm-hmm. Of, but the thing is, okay, so there's one part that they just don't have feelings, but the other part where they're hurting animals—that to me is so is so completely un, unpossible. Like that,
0: I, I I feel the same way. Like when people hurt uh, animals, I just think. Um like, I can understand how you could kill people, yes. but I can't understand how you could kill animals. This
1: is also right. I'm, I was originally surprised at how normal this is, but I've talked to lots of people, and I would say, like, oh, if I had a choice between saving a bag of kittens or a bag of babies, I would save the kittens. And I swear, like, you know, 50, 60% of people would be like, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Is yeah. that bad? Well, the, the kittens aren't
0: going to grow up to That's cut exactly you off in it. the freeway.
1: The kittens aren't going to grow up to be humans. So... Yeah. You know, let's save them. Um,
0: and have kittens ever let us down?
1: Never. They're no. They're perfect. You yeah. know, babies? Yeah. No.
0: And yet, if the kitten were 400 pounds, it would eat you before the day was done. Maybe, it would kill but you. I would
1: be okay with that even. Yeah, you know, because then it would just be like you know living with like a lion or a tiger, and if you're going to have to go, I mean, you do have what to.
0: What a way, what a what a way to go!
1: I mean, at least you're providing somebody. And they're if, even if, kind didn't the Buddha? Buddha would sacrifice himself, you know, and then just come back. I guess if you knew you were coming back, <laughs> it's not so bad, you know. You can offer yourself up, but you know, to to a tiger to to feed it, you know. And even the way. Uh, th-
0: those animals kill their prey is very kind of compassionate you know they put their jaws around its neck and, and they don't torture it unnecessarily but some
1: cats do right oh that's they the do the whole game of cat and mouse oh that's true yes. fuck cats fuck no. cats no i'm no. going for the I'll babies leave. i'll leave right now i'm going say, for the cats, babies no. no i'll throw this down i'll flip over the whole room <laughs> i don't care um i i think that it's really funny to watch cats be assholes to uh Mice or bugs—I mean, they're horrible. They um, will take one leg off at a time of bugs. I've never had cats, so I. I uh, cats are the most important thing to me in the whole world. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> strange but true. Yeah, so I, I love everything about them, and I think it's funny they—they they can be real jerks. But um, all animals can. I think it's cool that animals can can play.
0: You know. So, so let's get back to you. Let's get back to your crazy.
1: Yeah. So I think that, you know, it comes down to just being really sensitive. So I like I do have a tendency to sort of fall down the rabbit hole obsessively into anything that I'm reading about. So I have been reading about vets, um, veterinarians killing themselves because apparently, um, you know, doctors are like the number one highest suicide followed by dentists. And so um, a lot of the doctors, I guess a large percentage, you know, is, is veterinarians. Because you can imagine what they have to deal with, um, and and being really sensitive um, has I, has always it's it's such a part of me, but it annoys me a lot. And I was looking online, uh, reading about compassion fatigue. So um, I was reading about compassion fatigue, and it said something about um, the people tend to um, that are drawn to jobs like that are sort of already compassion fatigued, and they have probably grown up in a way that they learn to take care of somebody else's needs before their own, or that they realized that somebody else's needs were more important and i think that that's a little bit what happened to me um i kind of just grew up around um uh, my mom is so nice and warm-hearted but she's very she's very unpredictable so i think that i learned to sort of gauge how my mom was before i learned to gauge how i was so i think that growing up like that is something um but I mean, there's so many things that go into a personality i think i'm probably just for you know physiologically a sensitive person i'm the first person who jumps when there's a loud sound which is actually the exact opposite of a psychopath because if you know one re- way you can tell a psychopath is they have no startle reflex
0: really mm-hmm.
1: yes it's true and like you can't fake that because it's so quick so if you make a loud noise or something like that the psychopath never react um whereas i'm the one who i always overreact um and uh bright lights anything i get you know crowds of people i just uh feel sort of sapped i feel like
0: so if you're on a first date you should set off fireworks and if they don't budge yeah then get into a long-term <laughs> yeah. relationship with them
1: learn what they're doing and do yes. it as well
0: because <laughs> you'll be able to pour <laughs> yourself into them I'm, and that's a healthy relationship
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've never i've uh, been really fortunate that i've never been screwed over by a psychopath um, I think that I'm lucky that I can... I, I, you know when you just know somebody's off. I always have that thing where I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm not going to trust you. So,
0: so you're... Uh, are you decent at setting boundaries or just avoiding no. toxic people?
1: Well, neither. I'm just a good at avoiding psychopaths. I'm not good at avoiding toxic people. I'm just good at avoiding psychopaths. Okay. Um, I think because I... Yeah, I can tell just sort of I I don't really fall for the super, the super so you, firstly, you know, charming person. So
0: you have lazy boundaries.
1: Mhm. Lazy <laughs> boundaries. I didn't learn a lot about boundaries as a kid. Um I but and again, you don't know, I didn't even realize that I'd had these problems probably until my 30s that I was like, "Oh, okay, so this is specifically what's wrong with me." Um
0: So the main intrusive thoughts are harming animals.
1: Harming animals. Yeah. Harming animals. And you still have the animals are being harmed. Sometimes I'll just imagine like within a radius of my house, like how many, like how far away is the nearest animal that's crushed under a car? Like, Mm -hmm. can I almost like project myself to like feel that right now?
0: Yeah. One of my biggest fears is hitting, uh, hitting a dog uh, with my car i think about it it, i think about all the time when i'm when i'm driving i'm like there could be nothing worse than a dog darting out in front of me right now and i hit a deer with my car when i was in in my uh actually i think i was 30 when i hit a deer with my car and it was on purpose i had to swerve to catch it (laughs) but i caught its hind legs um no, it, it rushed out in front of me. I was going 60 miles an hour, and it was in the middle of nowhere, so it was completely dark. So it was really just a flash, mm-hmm. um, but it was extremely upsetting, and my hands were shaking, and I was uh, fighting back tears. And uh, it, anyway, I don't I want I just to-
1: remembered that I one time picked up a-, I picked up a um, a raccoon that was um, wandering in the middle of the road. I don't think it was full grown um, and put it in the back of my car and took it to a 24-hour vet. I was with a friend, but I think...
0: You are so lucky you didn't get bit.
1: I know. I mean, what were we doing with a freaking raccoon? Like, that was so stupid. Um, And my car got impounded um, like a few days later um, for another reason. And they had a lot of questions about the amount of blood in the back of my car because of the (laughs) raccoon. (laughs) But I remember we also got pulled over that night and the cop was like why do you have a raccoon in the back of your car and we were like we found it it's hurt we're taking it to the vet and he was like all right on your bike you know whatever but um yeah i just i have this thing about i was always bringing home strays and stuff and i do i do like animals a lot more than humans um i i do like them a lot more
0: i think most people who are animal lovers
1: Absolutely. I think
0: they I think they do. It's I find animals to be comforting and I find people to be draining. Yeah. Obviously not across the board, but um yeah.
1: Are you an introvert?
0: I think so. I you know, I have moments of extroversion. Is yeah, that a there could be
1: very extroverted introverts.
0: Yeah. When I when I feel really safe around somebody, um I don't feel drained by them. Right. But um
1: it's rare. It's probably few and far between.
0: Yeah, but I'm also really good at um, surrounding myself with people that I that I feel safe with, and focusing my life uh, around that, and minimizing my time around people that that feel draining. I'm, I'm but, better at that now, too. Yeah. So, talk about the depression. The, the depression. Uh, when did it first start? And uh, I want to talk about the, the struggles that you've gone through in trying to find the the right meds.
1: Um, I, like I said, I I think I was depressed even as a kid. Um, I think that I was just sad a lot and I was very worried and, um, I was very, I felt guilty all the time for causing any trouble. Um,
0: well, you were a terrible kid. You I mean,
1: yeah, I definitely was. Um, I was a really nice kid. I think I became terrible later, <laughs> as I got older. You saved
0: up your terrible, yeah. um,
1: as most people should. First- I'm, I'm terrible now. I was. I think as a kid, I was really worried about hurting other people and you know being mm-hmm. a jerk. And then I realized how how good I am at being a jerk, and you I had know, to embrace it. You
0: know, you were you, you shared a little earlier that you're a very angry person. The little bit of time I've spent around you, are you on your best behavior? Have you been fighting back anger? Because
1: you—you you do not making not, me angry. You know, yeah, you, you haven't done anything. Um, no. You
0: do not strike me as an angry person.
1: But I know. Um, I. I feel like I've actually been really successful. In um, in changing a lot of that about myself,
0: I and th- and are you are outwardly angry? Do you lash out, or is it both. just all inward? Okay. No,
1: both. I mean, I I mean, I absolutely have been angry. Um, I hit. I used to hit people, but I mean, I like who? Um, I've hit boyfriends, but not like in an abusive way ever. I mean, I think I like slapped somebody once, and I'm like lucky I didn't get slapped back. But I mean, I'm not abusive. You just know the, you know, how that sounds. Um, But I grew up getting, I didn't know that that wasn't okay.
0: So it's an instinctive thing with you. It's not like I'm going to hit this motherfucker. It was,
1: and it was never, I can't, I would never cause somebody pain. It was very instinctive. It's just a really quick, uh, like response. Um, And it was never actually out of anger. It was more like out of fear. But. Anyway, Which that, I think it
0: always is yeah. with, with somebody that's angry. I think there's always fear at the bottom of it.
1: That's something that I realized very early on, though. That was not okay. I mean, I'm talking that was before I was probably like even like 20.
0: When was the last time you you hit somebody?
1: I, I don't even remember. So long what if ago. If you
0: said, what time is it?
1: Right. <laughs> I always forget to try and be funny in these things. Um,
0: I do, too. When I am a guest on people's podcasts, I am horrified when I leave there. I was like, I'm I was so serious. serious. Yes, yeah. it's so Unless it's a comedy podcast.
1: No, nope, I'm serious on those, too. But I also manage to um, usually deflect it, and I just end up talking about the other person the whole time. Yeah. You know? Um, but uh, but I, I don't know. Or maybe I know and I don't want to say. I don't know. I really don't think I know. I think that with a lot of stuff, and
0: you don't know what. When was the last time you? Yeah, slept I don't
1: have a great memory for things.
0: Is your hand red right now? No. Okay. It's, then it's been a while.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I thought you meant because I was like. Uh, um, yeah. No, it's definitely been a long time. Um, that was the e- behavior is the easiest thing to change. I, well, it's not the easiest behavior is hard to change, but it's easier than changing your feelings because you can change your behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder to to change your feelings. So acting out is something that I managed to get a grip on. Uh, You know, early, I just didn't realize until like sort of my young adult. I remember a a girlfriend of mine, uh, because I'm small, you know, uh, people have this thing where they love to pick me up. It doesn't happen as much now, you know, getting picked up because I'm an adult, you know, an adult person. But even in college, my friend was joking around and she was tall and she picked me up. And without even meaning to I got so mad that I grabbed her hair and pulled her hair back and that's probably the closest that's like probably the last time that anything like that happened and um, I think we both just stopped and were like "Whoa, you know what, what you got really mad and so that's the stuff where I just you know I I don't give into it um, I have a lot of internal anger N- I've never been super happy so I figured I just don't know how to do it and, and you know just getting by is is good for me if i 'm not in a hole that 's good that feels great. Um, medication sometimes works and then will stop working after a year or two um, so finally, um, I, you know, and I had all these great, all these great experiences though with really nice therapists and Then, when I moved back from Seattle to New York, um, I needed to see a new therapist and um, I got a string of like four of them that were terrible in a row, and I kept thinking. Um, how awful it would be if if that was my only experience with uh, a mental health professional. So
0: you did finally find one that.
1: I, know, what like. I did was um, I started REBT. I which started is rational emotive behavior therapy, which I did at the Albert Ellis Institute in New York, and it's you know supposedly like uh, like CBT, like cognitive behavior therapy. I had a psychiatrist. Um, I really liked him, and I was telling him I could not find a therapist to talk to. Um my insurance wasn't great and the woman I was seeing um was way younger than me. And she was really sweet but not helpful. At she was all. a toddler. She was a child. She was, yeah. Um she actually was. I wasn't even I was just nannying for somebody and I was just hoping that I, they could help me with some. You stuff. had no boundaries. Yeah, really none at all. And I was like, Your kid is terrible at this. Yeah. You know, whatever. But you know, they took the kid took my insurance. So um she really was, though, I would say, like, oh, you know, this happens, uh, something happens, and, you know, I, my father does this, and it's really, it's so frustrating. And she would go, mm, that sounds really frustrating. And I was like, I know, I just said that. That's the word I used. I know. Like, mm-hmm. So what do I do? And I kept asking her about intrusive feelings, intrusive thoughts, and I was like, they're getting really bad. I do it, to, I feel like I'm doing it to myself on purpose. I almost feel like I'm, you know, I'm fucking with myself on purpose. Like, my brain just hates me. Um, they don't even feel intrusive so much as they feel like I'm bringing them on. You know, like I'm just saying, all right, let's do this, you know. I had a cat that had uh, was sick, and I had to feed her through a feeding tube. And every, like, you know, six times a day, and every single time I imagined, what if I put soap in with this, you know, into her feeding tube? Or what if I, what if, every time I have to give a cat medicine, I think, what if I gave them the whole bottle? I don't know why, so... One of the therapists I saw before R.A.B.T., I told him I hated him and I saw him maybe twice. And I said, yeah, I know I'm I'm having these intrusive thoughts and about hurting animals. And he was like, you know, you come in here and you tell me that you really like animals and now you're talking about thinking about hurting them. That doesn't make any sense. Are you fucking kidding me? I left there sobbing. He let me go. I was sobbing and I left his New York Office that and just. That
0: motherfucker should I have his license so revoked.
1: He also was one of those people who he literally told me to Google him. He was like, oh, you don't know about my work with uh, people with addiction? Yeah, when, you Google me. And I did, and it wasn't even impressive. I was like, <laughs> Psh, whatever. Um, also, just Google me is the worst thing you can say. I once heard somebody in a fight that they, you know, two people outside a bar, and one of them was like, Google me, asshole. You don't know who I am. Google me, asshole. And forever, oh, I always think that's so funny. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, so this guy was just terrible. So again, though, I was confident enough that they weren't all like this. Um, he just didn't like me and i wasn't used to that and then i talked to a family friend who's a therapist and she said yeah a lot of therapists are really terrible um yeah sometimes they're just bad they want power over people they get off on that and i hadn't had that experience so i was shocked so i see my psychiatrist and i tell him you know look this toddler is not helping me out and um (coughs) he said why don't you do um why don't you go to the albert ellis institute it's not far from here I had never heard of it. So I said, oh, yeah, great. And that's uh, that's what I did. What
0: did you gain from REBT? I,
1: lo- I I responded well to it. I had read Albert Ellis' book. I had He's the Guide to Rational Living. It was a super mm-hmm. famous book. And um, I think it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for me. Um, I was at a point where I no longer cared what was wrong with me or what had happened to me or what was wrong with my brain that made me like this. I didn't want to... I didn't want to be like this. I didn't want to be, um, specifically, I didn't want to be an angry person. I didn't want to be a reactive person. Um, I wanted to know why I was procrastinating so much. I thought I wanted to maybe try writing, but I was so scared to do anything. Um, So so I, I saw, I went to the Albert Ellis Institute, which does not take insurance, and it costs $200 to see a therapist. Or you can see an extern for $90. So I saw an extern, which is really interesting, because I'm working with somebody who doesn't yet really know how to work with somebody.
0: An extern is an intern that works outdoors? Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like a lumberjack. Um, I think, I didn't really understand, but I think what he was was somebody who had finished school or was still in school, and he was working towards becoming a therapist. Okay. So he was young. In fact, we did call him therapy boy, because um, he, he was young, and... He very much, what happened was they they tape your sessions and then he would go over them with a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um and that to me was I liked that because um I had to put a ton of work in to make myself feel better. And I liked the activeness of
0: that. What were some of the the, the work things that you did to make yourself feel better
1: we went through um you know it's very Mm goal-oriented you tell them what you want to fix what your issues are what you're feeling like and um i said i have intrusive thoughts and i don't feel productive and we mostly spent a lot of time um disagreeing you know but really in an interesting way on the worth of humans and judging and self-judging and his you know challenge to me was can you stop self-judging and my answer was no I mean I did try. I don't think I can. I don't I don't see the need to stop judging. I think for me judging myself is what gets me to get anything done. I I am harsh on myself, but I think that I need to be. And I think everything else in my life is luckily. I mean what, you know, it, there's nothing I'm I'm a lucky person. You know, I mean I'm I'm am I'm fortunate. I have, you know, I'm a middle class educated. You know, I'm not living in the streets or whatever so um i just wanted to stop being sad all the time and like feeling sorry for myself or just feeling sad um so they basically give you steps on so for intrusive thoughts i said what what can i do what can i do to get rid of them and there's a few things you can do which is like the immersion therapy where you go home they give you homework and you write about them you write down all your horrible thoughts just write them down and um and read them over and over and over again until your anxiety goes from like uh like a 10 to like a 7 because you just read them so much you know what's coming because you wrote it and you just Mm -hmm. keep reading it so that's a way to deal with them um i didn't find that i liked that so much um it does help so if i if i find myself slipping back into a you know a week where i can i can't get rid of the thoughts i'll do that and it's kind of like a fun challenge because it's kind of sick but it feels like all right well let me, what's the worst I can think. Let me, let me yeah. do it. You know, um,
0: that sounds super healthy. Actually,
1: that's the thing that I found about the therapy was because it's, it's not so much about it. Well, it is about emotions. Here's the other thing that was amazing. The guy recommended, uh, all these different books. Um, I think he was thrilled that he had a patient who was like doing the homework. Who was like, you know, you see, they have kids there and stuff who just have to be there and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that book called Emotions Revealed. Do you know that one?
0: Mm-mm.
1: Oh, my God, I love it. Everybody should read it. Uh, it was written by this guy. I forget his name. Super famous. And he had his daughter do all the facial Google, Google, expressions. Google him. Oh, Google him. Google him. Um, so he basically was... Um, it's, I guess when I went to college, I was a psychology major. I don't guess. I know that. But I, <laughs> that was the truth. But I guess that there hadn't been um, much study into uh, emotions there really hasn't because i went to college you know tw- almost 20 years ago um so it, what it is is um it's and i heard you say something about this on one of the podcasts um sort of uh, the difference between a f- uh, an actual thought feeling or, or uh, i get we have to talk a lot about the difference between thoughts and feelings that was something else i had trouble with but the difference between feeling something and then also just having your body react mm-hmm. so when you're becoming angry you, you think that you're becoming angry because X, Y, Z. But sometimes your body goes into anger before you even realize what it's mm. done. So if you can recognize that and just sort of like let it ride it out and not give into it. So they never say that you can control your emotions because you can't, you know, but if you can recognize them. And I think that and
0: you can control how you express them.
1: Right. And you can um, control how you interpret them. And that yes. was huge to me. So. For after all these years of sort of not seeing results, I love measurable results i 'm very into like okay you know what what can we do to fix this and you know he would tell me, read this, read that and um, the the book has so much information on sadness and fear and anger it also has you know happiness um, and it talks about a lot about the physiological stuff that 's going on and how if you, you know, if you are in a bad mood, you will just only filter information that again, like you would think your brain would do something nice, like balance everything out and like, you know, try to give you, you know, that's like when your endorphins should kick in when you're in a Mm -hmm. bad mood or something, but instead it only gives you
0: reinforces, right?
1: It just terrible things, you know? And so I also became, so I went in there specifically and I was like, how do I stop getting mad that people are always bumping into me on the subway or being assholes on the subway
0: move. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Move to the to the boonies. Yeah,
1: but but for real, like, how do you do that? Like, what what do you do? Because I can't live in the boonies. I mean, I, She just
0: glanced at herself. Yeah, I mean, She's got tattoos I'm on her from, fingers. I'm
1: from New York. I like it here. I like the city. I like being anonymous. I don't like small towns. I don't like communities. I don't want neighbors. You know what I mean? I don't want neighbors that I have to talk to. I don't want that. I like to just, you know, I like to go in a bar and nobody knows my name. That's what I'm looking for, you know?
0: You would not like Cheers. I
1: would not like Cheers. Well, they wouldn't know my They knew Norm's name. I think yeah. I could go to Cheers and they wouldn't yet know my name. What if you just give a wrong name? Like, what if you just lie? That's true. They would never know my name. Um, so for me it became really important to not to yeah I want to just relax so people are going to bump into you and it's never going to stop So, but what can change is how you deal with it so there were all these steps that we went through but basically what it came down to when I finally understood it was oh it, it's just going to keep happening so Don't get mad because it's not going to change it from happening. So Um,
0: embracing it, turning towards the the monster instead of trying to run from it.
1: Yeah, I mean, just yeah, exactly. Just don't take it personally. You know, I mean, that's what they what they do is they challenge your beliefs. So if you have the belief that people shouldn't be rude in public, which is a a belief I have, they say, well, you know, but they're going to be. So that's you, the truth. So, so what are you, you going to do? Right, right. So you know, what's you can,
0: the kindest w- w- way that you can yeah. be to yourself about this thing you can't change?
1: Yeah, and so what? I, you know what you said about like move. You know, I said, well, can I just go to a different car? And he's like, yeah. Some, you know, it, once you've dealt with it, 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 that's what I do. I don't take it personally. I don't carry it around with me the rest of the day. If it's really annoying, I'll go to another car, and and otherwise I'll just ignore it. You know, I. um, And, like, I know how you always mention exercise. And so for me, that's a big thing, too, just getting my body to feel better. So, you know, taking care of it and doing lots of, like, yoga and breathing. My psychiatrist had told me that it was, like, my uh, prescription. He was like, you have to do yoga twice a week. Um,
0: And has that helped?
1: I mean, immensely.
0: Talk about that.
1: Because I never was aware of what my body was doing. Um, I'm such a tense person, and I didn't know it. I had no idea. I didn't know that I was tense, and so it's not until you learn to to like relax and breathe. Because people would always say, um, and they would always say, uh, you know, just we just take a deep breath just count to 10 and i was like yeah i'll just think of more reasons to be angry that's what i do when i i count to 10 and i'm like no i'm still mad like go to 100 no i'm still (laughs) mad like you go to the next day and i'm like i'm still mad (laughs) so it you know and i'm breathing fine but you know but i didn't understand you know uh, about that how different it is so i was going to see psychiatrists and i probably looked like this you know shoulders hunched and I probably was just constantly like, I don't know why I feel so bad all the time. And I'm just you know hunched <laughs> and tense, curled up, like just crying in a you know, fetal position. Like everything's fine, but I feel really sad. And um, I didn't realize like how much that affects you. And my mom's very in shape and she always has been. And she always said, yeah, exercise helps, but I didn't really understand. And it's not the endorphins for me. It's not that because I don't. I don't really get that very often. I don't get that rush of endorphins. But for me, it's just the deep breathing and the focus on the breathing and the focus on just focus on something. Uh, I've been trying to learn how to meditate and I would love to. I can't yet. I can't get my mind to be. Totally quiet, but I know it's a skill that you can learn. It,
0: it, it is, and meditation is still worthwhile, even if it's twenty minutes of you sitting and thinking about yourself. It's still, which many days it it, it, it is for me. Um, sometimes maybe you'll just have a one minute out of those twenty where your mind winds down, and that is worth the the other twenty minutes because it can change your day. It can get you into a, into a different. Yeah, I mean the,
1: the whole. I mean the whole idea of mindfulness. Is something that you know I'm that I'm really interested in. Um, I do think that when you for, you know like the REBT worked works and works for me um, because I, you, and it's it's short. You don't go forever. It's it's you know geared that you would that you would stop once you reach your goals and uh, changing your thinking for me did help change my feelings. And another thing is to focus on. So, you know, when you're in a bad mood and you miss the train and you say, oh, you know, this, that's awful. I always miss the train. This is terrible. Um, You just instead, you know, focus on the days that you catch the train right in the nick of time. And so a lot of times I'll be like, yes. So instead of just taking that for granted, I'm like, oh, cool. Hey, I caught all three trains. And so you just remember to focus on that because that's not something I ever would have thought of before. I always would have just focused on the Mm -hmm. days that something bad happened. Um, And so just being like, okay, you know, things are, I caught the train. Nobody's, you know nothing bad has happened. <laughs>
0: you know as you're describing the the struggles with anxiety, anger and uh fear or at least uh, them manifesting themselves I, you know it occurs to me that they're they're kind of like the triplets that that hang out together. It it it's pretty rare that you find um
1: that's why i think one i, think of I couldn't alone. separate them and that's why the feelings get really mixed up to me and that's why i think it is important to in, in any therapy figure out what is the difference between thoughts and feelings i think the therapy that i did um was maybe a little too focused on that because i would say i feel frustrated and he would say that's not a feeling and i would be like Come, it's close enough i mean you know like, <laughs> can it be like an honorary feeling like i don't know what it breaks down into but but yeah i mean it's the anxiety the depression um it just you know the the depression just gets so bad because you just I would get mad at people who got better. Or I would hear about people saying, you know, well, when you're depressed, like, you know, just seek help. And I would get mad because I would think, yeah, and I've been doing that. I've done that. Like, Na- name all
0: the different meds that, that, that you've been on.
1: I have been on nortriptyline. Um, I've been on um, Prozac. I've been on Welbutrin. Um, I've been on um, Depakote which is more of a mood stabilizer. Um, I've been on um, Sertraline, which is, I think, Zoloft. Mm-hmm. No, that was something else. Yeah, Sertraline was Zoloft. I'm on venlaflaxine. Now, I always forget the brand names. I only know the generic names. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and you also did Abilify and Mirtazapine or no,
1: I've taking And I've taken a ton of um, anti-anxiety drugs. I am also on now um, Prazosin at night, which is a um, blood pressure drug for nightmares. Um, and if, if I feel okay now, but one other thing that the psychiatrist I see now said to, that we could maybe try is Lamictal. Um, but right now, yeah, I feel okay. Right now I'm on Welbutrin um, and the venlafaxine and the prazacin. Uh The mirtazapine was to, because all of those are appetite, for me, they were appetite depressants. And, and Adderall, which I got easily. So, um, but I mean, there's a, I'm sure there's a ton that I've been, that I'm missing. I mean, I really just took everything um, in different dosages. And I, it just, it nothing, it, I felt like, um yeah, just it didn't change. Because I felt like my mood couldn't lift because it had never been at a good level. So it didn't even know how to not be depressed because it, it wasn't like these people who were like, they recognized their depression because they're like, I was really happy. And then for like a few weeks, I couldn't get out of bed because I was crying and it was really scary and sad. I'm not belittling this. It sounds like I am. I'm not. I, but then like, then I got help and then I felt better and everybody can get better. And I would just feel so jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would feel mad at myself because I would think, why are you even feeling sorry for yourself? It's not even that bad. Like nothing is wrong. And then I would feel stressed about my parents and then I would be overridden with guilt. For for feeling stressed about them because they don't want to stress me, just vicious cycles. It was for it's you. just terrible, but they also feel true. They feel true because, you know, a lot of times when they say like your depression is like maybe lying to you, but some, I, sometimes I feel like it's just true. Things just are bad. I think when you're stuck in it,
0: it feels true, and then when you get out of it, you can see it for the lie that it was. But when you're feeling that way, it. It all makes sense. You think the world really does suck. You think that your life has been, for the most part, a waste and, and that the world has passed you by. But it's...
1: See, I, 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 don't, I don't. I mean, I feel like whenever I'm not, I'm very aware of it. I feel like I'm on a weekend break.
0: I feel like I've escaped a stalker that is eventually going to find my that's new address. Exa-
1: I mean, because honestly, it, I mean, it probably is. Like, that's the thing and um and i do get scared that like um with the intrusive thoughts they were they were getting so bad because of, these are animals that i love and i don't know why i was thinking about hurting them and they got to the point where they would start to like you know i was like gasping for breath because where are these thoughts coming from why do they uh, and they are getting worse. So then I worried, like, what if they just get worse until I'm, like, 60?
0: I love, by the way, that as we were walking to the hotel to record that you said anxiety. You don't see anxiety <laughs> as an issue with you.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, I just feel like everything, you know, the anger and I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, and like I said. There's I'm sorry
0: a, I cut you off. No,
1: it's fine. I, like I said, you know, a lot of it is, is, you know, it's hard to tell what what's genetic and what's not. Um, my parents sometimes joke around about, like. Hey, hey, like both our kids are crazy, and you know, does
0: that make you mad?
1: No, it doesn't, because they're right. I mean, we we are. I don't know, like what I don't know. I a little bit think that they maybe have more to do with that than they're aware. I think that's kind of funny. So they'll be like, "I was talking to, I was talking to my mom recently about a, a good friend of mine, my best friend, and who I've known since I was like about five, five, and her." Her 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 teenage son uh got himself in a lot of trouble and she's such a great mom and i was talking to my mom and i said yeah it's amazing you know it really shows you what idiots teenagers are because you know vic is this wonderful mother i mean i you know she's really a wonderful mother and look and you know her her kid went and did this and my mom said i know i mean i used to look at myself and think you know i'm a, i'm a great mother and i was like
0: you were speechless.
1: I a little bit was. I a little bit was. And it's that sounds so mean because I know she was doing her absolute best. Um, but you know, there were things that were that went wrong that have never been addressed. And I don't think that they'll ever be addressed because I don't I don't think that I don't think that they they want to address them and I can't force that on them and I don't want them to be unhappy. So I just deal with what I can. Um,
0: I think that's a healthy attitude as long as they respect your boundaries in your present relationship um i think that's the thing that's that's the most important because we can drive ourselves crazy trying to get our parents to change their attitudes about the past
1: right that's the thing and you know and and when it comes down to it see my mom's really sensitive and i think it would come down to why do you want me to feel bad about this like I guess if I think about it, maybe I'll feel bad. But you know, she's got enough stuff to feel bad about because you know they didn't come from great. They were not raised well. They were not raised well. They don't know what they're doing. I don't think that they. I don't. I think she thought she wanted us, and then I don't think she did. I think that uh, that we you know we're a lot of work, and uh, I don't think that she was. She, you know, they they did a, a good job of like providing for us, but I don't think that she was aware how sensitive kids are. Um, I don't think she was aware how sensitive her kids were. Um, you know, she could hold a grudging as a four-year-old, uh, and I look back at that. And it wasn't until um, a point in my life, one of those moments, that as an adult, one of a, the adult our adult my parents' friends was talking to me, and she said, I, "I've always wondered what it was like growing up like that because your mom's very angry," and I was like, "Oh." Okay, right, right, she is, right? I didn't know, because I didn't know that people weren't. I thought everybody reacted like that. She would have, um, you know, just tantrums. She'd bang her head against the wall, uh, threaten suicide, you know, constantly wow. threaten to take my brother. They would. They were going to commit suicide together. Oh, my um, God,
0: Jesse! I had
1: no idea. That's... And I so I didn't know that that, that that wasn't normal. And so I remember dating guys who... We would fight, and then I would we'd make up, and I would say, "No, it's okay. People fight." And he they would say, "No, people don't. That's I never did that. You know, I mean, in a relationship, sure you do. Just dis- disagree. Me, everything yeah. was a fight. You know, um, I felt very belittled. I didn't feel like I my my father didn't really like teenage girls. I don't think he really liked girls very much. Um, he wasn't. We were, you know, teenage girls are frivolous. That's what we do. We learn to. We learn that we're valued based on our relationships. Uh, how can we be a good friend? We, we're in cliques, you know, all that stuff. But that's not so much what boys do. And I don't think that he recognized. And I think he thought I was like an idiot teenager. um And I remember him saying, "I'm not going to take anything seriously that you say until you're like 30." And uh, I mean, he, in a way, like you know, he probably had a point. Um, but I was his kid, and. I just never felt like it was it was
0: valued. You shouldn't hold your kid to your standard of yeah, you emotional maturity. You say things,
1: right? Like, reality is only the 20 feet around you. What is a 15-year-old girl going to do with that? I mean, I don't think for a 15-year-old girl, their reality... And I would talk about my friends, and he would say, like, I want to hear, like, what you think or whatever. But I, I, just, I didn't know what, what you know. But also, I was very... Then I got to a point where I was very rebellious because my parents did not set rules. We didn't have rules, really, which in a way was great. In, in a sense, you know, but uh at the time at the time, there were no rules there was not There was not a sense of and we you know we didn 't always spend a lot of time together. People were working, my parents worked all the time, and um I was definitely raised a lot by uh, afternoon television um, so uh, you know afternoon evening television, you know when a kid comes home and makes themselves their little cracker snack, what were your favorites? Um, I watched a ton of different strokes i 've watched that i mean age wise what was on different strokes. Um, Family Ties, Facts of Life, um, all those shows that came on. And then I think, like, MASH came on at 6, and that's when that was a... I was too young to, like, that was a depressing show, and I didn't get all the jokes and stuff. Um, So, and I... I I don't remember... I mean, there's just so many strange things that happen that I don't think... I don't think I understand why. Um, I have a brother that I'm not close with, and I... We have a lot of similarities, a lot, but... I think that i i think i was so mean i don't and i also he's not the same kind of emotional that i am but i think that i was so mean that i effectively made him hate himself or hate me um so i you know the idea for me of family is very stressful um i don't have kids i didn't have kids i'm past that point age-wise um my brother is he his girlfriend has a kid but he doesn't want you know he's not going to have any of his own i think my mom has actually said to me like you know she always says yeah you know people say having kids is the best thing in the world but you know it's not it's you know and and i i appreciate the honesty um i've never had that maternal instinct people say oh you know you love animals because you want to nurture humans and sometimes that's right but for me no i do not like kids i don't like babies i remember sitting with my boyfriend and um, he looked at me, and he's like, "Oh, kids make the worst sounds, and it was a toddler giggling right he wasn't even crying, but I was like, "I know, Ugh. stop <laughs> so I also got in this relationship with somebody who I knew did not want kids, and i you know we've been together twelve years mm-hmm. um, but the whole the whole thing family to me sounds uh, it's 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 weird it's stressful it's uh, loaded it's a trap um so, I never wanted that. I don't, and I think my boyfriend feels the same. Like, we, for whatever reason, remember childhood as being sad. I don't want to put a kid through that. I don't want to see the world through their eyes, because what if their eyes are sad like mine were?
0: There's, think, there is almost, I don't even know if there's a song from childhood or adolescence or even my 20s that when I hear it, uh, I feel joy. Maybe there's a half dozen of them, but most of them, um, I can just recall that, that feeling of emptiness and sadness. Not necessarily in the foreground, but in the background yeah. of everything. It's like
1: a low level fever that you're constantly yeah. having. You know, it's just in the background. Um And yeah, and so I, I you know, that's that's I think for me it's um yeah, you know it's it's difficult. I with my par- my my boyfriend's parents. I didn't even meet them for a long time. I really put it off. I just really didn't want to do it. I was like, parents stress me out. And he was like, they're nice. And I was like, I can't. And finally, it was like four or five years. And he was like, you have to meet my parents. <laughs> We've been living together, you know. And so okay. I was like, all right, fine. And you know, they were fine.
0: You want to share some fears and loves with me?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, one of my one of my biggest real you know fears is, is that um that it's all too late. Uh career-wise and that I'm not ever gonna I'm not ever gonna make anything of myself. So that's like a big fear that I struggle with because especially I think because um, I am not on a huge trajectory towards my idea of success uh, because I am, I procrastinate, I I'm not good at getting things done I'd like to be writing more, I'd like to apply places, I'd like to I used to be able to pull all nighters and just work really hard. And now I can't do that. And I read books on how to not procrastinate and how to, um, they say things like "give yourself a reward when you're done," and I, I'm like, "I'll give myself the reward anyway." I'm not good at I'm not good at that, and then I give
0: myself the reward instead of doing. That's the thing.
1: exactly it. And so, and I think like that whole thing of they're like, you know, you, you know, you give yourself the reward, and I'm like, I'm a horrible employee or a horrible boss. I don't know what I give myself the reward. I don't do the work. I'm I'm fired. I don't you know I don't. What can you do? I'll definitely you know then I'll just have the reward and. So, you know, I'm trying and there there are good days and there are bad days, but I do get very stressed out because I feel um, yeah, like panicked that I'm, you know, past my past my prime and I, I think all the time, why didn't I start earlier? I have tons of regrets. My life is basically nothing but a series of regrets. And I try and focus on the fact that were none of those things to happen that maybe I wouldn't be in the the good place that I am now. So I was talking to a friend about it and they say, Well, you know, sure we have regrets, but why dwell on it? it? Of course. Well what do you do when you can't not dwell on it? I I every day think of, Oh, why didn't I do this in college? Why didn't I try writing? Why didn't I get I've taken the path of least resistance? Like a like a you know, I always feel like a ping pong ball. Not ping pong, like a um uh Pinball? Yes, thanks. Hi. Pinball, like a like just bouncing off everything else. And I've never taken a route. Anything I've done has been not towards something, but away from something.
0: Can you do that thing that you do with the train, about missing the train, but do it about your life? And say what you have done, the friends that you... Yeah,
1: you. that's you you know what you yourself. have to do. You have to do the work and think about it like that. And when I do, you know, then I... I I feel like things are okay, and th- the future will be okay. And I mean, the thing. Is, and you have a nice five minutes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, or maybe even a, you know, a nice day. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a huge, you know, sort of fear. You know, I, I worry too that I will be very lonely. You know, there's a lot of women who don't have kids. It's not it's not rare anymore, but at the same time. It's not completely accepted. I mean, it's, it's sort of a strange, or it, it's just, it puts me in a weird position. Like, what do I do now? So, everybody has gone and have kids, and my, my friends are just sort of trend, like, they're just younger. I just find like younger friends. Um, hopefully, I think what will happen is everybody else's kids will, will grow up, and then they'll start. Like, you know, like I said, my best friend, her kids are almost, one of them is a teenager, so now I get to see her a lot more mm-hmm. because she's not so busy with her, you know, with their two kids. So hopefully everybody will kind of come back around. You know, one
0: of the things that has helped me is to try to break my life into smaller pieces in terms of thinking about them. And the one that really works for me is to just think about today. Because if I begin to think about where my life is headed in the long term, it's never good. Yeah. It is never good. It's the same old fucking tape. of yeah. I waited too long. I'm such and such age. Look at all the people that have done more than me. Look where they are now. And it, it's just, it's a bad neighborhood. And yeah. so I stay out of that. And I find that the... the the people's the people whose lives work are the people who stay in what can I do today let 's just keep, keep it to the next twenty four hours and then their lives have a way of working out not necessarily in terms of they're going to be rich and you know recognized or anything but in terms of following um, f- following their their gut and in a way that isn't based on fear but is more based in um, who they want to be and what is doable and those little tiny baby steps then add up into a life that they find that they can have peace with.
1: Yeah. I mean, I hope that's what's going to happen. I think for me right now there's a I get very mad at the at the fact that I feel like I'm not I'm that my I'm not capable of things that that normal people are capable of. Um, you know, I mean, I've managed to make a career mostly of yeah, well, now, I mean, I work with you know dogs, not even humans, and it's a you know it's a weird schedule. And I think, what will I do after? What what if I had to go back to working in an office? And I think I you know I took a writing class about writing for TV, and it was really interesting. But I thought you can't handle those hours. You can't, and even and if those people. I can't. You know, and I'm 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 bummed because I, I part of me really wants that, and I think that I think that you know I, I could do it, and maybe if I would started younger but now the thought of be, i can't be of even being in in one place for 8 hours like a normal job like that's it's almost not doable if it is if it's doable then the other parts of my life will fall apart hmm. if that's doable then coming home and being a nice person is not doable and so i'm trying not to underestimate myself but i'm also really trying to um to to stay in the to to try and keep my life sort of stress free because I do know how I get and it's mm. it's kind of, you know, frustrating to feel like that. Uh, I watch people do things that I that I want to do and I think, "Well, what's keeping you from it?" But it, what is keeping me from it is is maybe imaginary, but is maybe real. And if it's real, I it's, you know, I guess it's depression, but it seems so um like amorphous or it's it's just so frustrating like i can't put into words why i'm not doing
0: that you have just described so many of our lives it's not even funny i know there are people listening <sighs> right know. now they're like yes <laughs> yeah and they're saying it from bed yeah, yes yes oh the cool side of the pillow and yes
1: yeah, i know you <laughs> give know me,
0: give me another fear
1: um I mean, I, I another strange fear as somebody who is, you know, I guess we didn't really talk so much about being OCD. I mean, OCD is something that people throw around a lot now and they'll say, oh, I I just like things organized. I'm so OCD. That's, that's not really, I mean, maybe you are, but that's not what it's about. You know, it's not, it's not about, it's about being controlled by, you know, whether it's obsessive, you know, thoughts or compulsive behaviors and, uh, I feel like um, one of the things that I do is I scribble notes like this all the time. My whole life is made up of um, Post-its. Um, I worry that I'm going to die suddenly and people are going to go through them. And then I remember that when I die, nobody's even going to go through them. But because who cares? But I feel like I have this embarrassing trail of weird Post-its that say things like, you know, uh, uh, buy soy milk, uh, get life together. <laughs> clean bathroom, uh, you know, stop stop intrusive thoughts, you know, sew on a button, uh, s- stop hating everybody. <laughs> it, it's like, and then, not only that, but I'm going to die and people are going to come across it and it'll be like, like I never did bad teenage poetry because even as a kid, see, I never wrote because I always hated it. I always knew. I would keep a journal and the next day I'd be like, that's so stupid and rip it up. So I don't have any practice writing because I never did. It. I always hated it. And it wasn't until I... I read that quote by Ira Glass about how starting out, everybody sucks, Mm -hmm. but because if you have good taste, then you're going to like cool stuff, but your ability is not there yet, and so you hate yourself more than anything, because you know what's cool, and you know you're not doing it. And so it's great. It's a great quote. I, you know, I've heard
0: songwriters say everybody has a certain amount of shitty songs in them and you just got to get them out of the way. George, George Harrison said that and he had to write and show his stuff to Lennon and McCartney. I mean, can you imagine?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's. And I at home. I say help all the time. It's a tick. I say help. And my boyfriend has stopped um, even asking, unless I say it in a certain way. He used to be like, do you need help? And I, no, I just said it. Sorry. And so if I get stressed, I just always am like, help, help. And uh, he now is just like, okay, yeah, you don't need help. Um, And I meow when I'm stressed. I make a meowing sound. Um, Really? Yeah. It just comes out. And more and more, you know, I try not to let it come out in public. Let's do some loves. I love bad movies.
0: What's your favorite bad movie?
1: Um, Vibrations. It It, sounds awful. It is so bad. Um, It's from the nineties. It's about rave culture in New York, uh, but it doesn't get any of it right, which is amazing. Give me one more love. Oh, I love swimming pools. I that's to me. I love that feeling. I love the, the to me the ultimate feeling is is being in the sun but being near water. So you can be hot, but also, you know, cool off. I love swimming pools. And when I was a little kid, my parents used to get, like, um, because my dad is a woodworker, uh, you know, furniture and architecture magazines. And I would tear out pictures of swimming pools and. I always like on Flickr will look at pictures of swimming pools and I you just look at pictures of, you know, that in my life. I just think I just would love to, to have a swimming pool, you know, maybe move to L.A., but I hate L.A., but somewhere and and just have a swimming pool. And just that to me is the that's what it's all. That's what I that's the time I feel most, you know,
0: I love that good. feeling of the resistance of the water. Against your body, and then my second favorite thing is when you get out, and maybe it's not boiling hot outside; it's a little cool, and so you get goosebumps as you're sitting on the side of the pool, and but feeling the sun working its way towards drying you and warming you. Yeah, you don't grab a towel, right? You just decide I'm going to let I'm going to let the sun yeah dry me off, and
1: maybe the con- the, the concrete around the pool yes. is warm still. Yes. Yeah, but the yeah, I love that. Um, one of the best feelings when I was young, I was um like fortunate enough that i got to go to summer camp every year with my my best friend vicky we went to vermont we would go for four weeks or eight weeks so sometimes i'd be gone the whole summer and um i learned to water ski and i rode horses but water skiing i remember the lake was really cold and um i was wearing a sweatshirt to keep warm even though but then i fell so then i was wet uh, in the sweatshirt but still going around the lake Super fast, and feeling the wind on the wet sweatshirt actually felt amazing. It was so good. And so sometimes when it's really hot, instead of just wearing a tank top, I'll take a sweatshirt and just soak it in cold water and like wear that over the tank top. And it feels like really good. It feels like I'm cheating, you know. But like I'm carrying like a carrying a swimming pool around with me.
0: Well, Jesse, thank you for coming and, and sharing your life with us. If people want to check out uh, your stuff, where where's the best place? Is there like a a Jesse Dean Altman portal? <laughs> I guess Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Yeah, on Twitter. And you are at?
1: Uh, Nick Cage Match.
0: N-I-C-C-A-G-E-M-A-T-C-H.
1: It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Right back at you.
0: I really, really enjoyed talking to her. And fuck, that thing about the post-it notes made me laugh so hard. Uh, and next time I'm in New York recording somebody, I would like to get more traffic in the background if I can. I'd like to actually record on, or on an airport runway in the middle of a crime scene as people are arriving. And the people around uh, the people arriving are chatty. That's that's what I would like. Um, but I love I love laughing with somebody that I have just met. There's just something so I should have done that for uh, for one of my loves that episode was recorded in 2015 i often don't air episodes for a uh, a while in fact i don't know if i mentioned uh if on that i talked about my wife which is who is now my ex-wife but i'm always so worried that you're going to go wait how can you have how can you have a wife if you got divorced Ugh having a brain that attacks you is just so draining sometimes uh i mentioned sometimes that on when i do the surveys hold on one second when i do the surveys uh, a lot of times a theme or pattern presents itself um I look through a pretty small portion of surveys uh, that I will read every week. Um, and I don't know if I'll get through all of these. But um let's just say if if this stack of surveys had a title, it would be uh Incestapalooza. This this first one is um It's just a sliver of a shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself bad puns pie. And um, I just thought uh, her transparency, which people do on these podcasts, um, was so, uh, I don't know she uh had a lot of emotional neglect um and abuse uh in childhood and uh says that uh, she has a borderline personality disorder uh, she's never been sexually abused um, and the uh, darkest thoughts is the part that i wanted to read um, she writes my mood can vary dramatically that also changes my thoughts i have sexual fantasies with most of the people i meet often even with strangers on the train i so desperately want to touch them with my hands my mouth my whole body i want to know how they smell and taste how their skin feels on mine etc i fantasize about what would happen if i just went and touched somebody inappropriately sometimes even with minors i also sometimes have pretty graphic fantasies of me sleeping with my father also with my brother I always wanted to marry him when I was little. When I'm with friends, I often wonder how far I can go, how much touching is, quote, allowed. I feel I can't really separate between friendship and romantic or sexual feelings. I'm so afraid I will mess up one day and lose them as friends and they'll never talk to me again. I also frequently have fantasies about suicide, self-harm, and self-harm, especially when I'm depressed. I sometimes close my eyes when the train arrives because I'm afraid I will jump in front of it. I also try to stay away from the rail track as far as possible, try to wait sitting or position myself at the end opposite to where the train comes in so that it is already slowed down when it reaches me and I would be less likely to get killed if I jump. I'm also very afraid of driving in cars, especially on the highway, because I often have the impulse to open the door and maybe jump out just to see what happens. Um, Almost everything that uh, she shared, I have heard in one part or another in somebody's survey, and um, so many people who think this or feel what she feels think that they are alone, and they are not, and there's no thought, bad thoughts or bad feelings. It's just healthy unhealthy ways of expressing it. Um, But thank you for your your honesty. This this next survey really moved me. This was from the What Has Helped You survey. And this was filled out by a a guy who calls himself Colorado Lobot. And his issues and struggles are uh, severe depression and social anxiety. He's an adult survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And uh, he was bullied all through school and could never really bond with other people. uh, So he never had anyone that he could talk to about it. And what has helped you deal with your issues? Dungeons and Dragons. It was the first time I could pretend to be someone else with other people. I could be social and talk and laugh and I was okay because everyone was on the same page. Let's be honest, it's mostly the misfits that tend to gather around the gaming table. We were all avoiding or running from something in our lives. But here, we not only got to be ourselves, but who we wish we could be with nothing but encouragement. I have now been playing and running games as the DM, Dungeon Master, for almost 20 years. To this day, telling my stories and turning all my fucked up thoughts into happiness and fun for others is what I look forward to after hard weeks. I always have Sundays and my equally fucked up, weird, socially nervous, awkward fantasy therapy group. That's so beautiful. And then, what have uh, people said or done that have helped you with your issues? And he writes, "Um, There was a time in my life where the only thing I could think about was killing myself. As a last-ditch effort, I called my parents' house looking for any reason not to. This was at 1 p.m. and I hadn't been out of bed in days. By 10 p.m. that night, my dad had flown out from the East Coast and just told me that he loved me and that nothing he could think of would ever make him let his son suffer that much alone. Over the following weeks, we repaired our relationship, fixed up and sold the house, got me into therapy, and learned all the things we should have known about each other. He was carrying around so much guilt about letting me down as a kid, and me, such shame that we could never talk about anything but the proverbial weather. Thank you, Dad. You saved my life. Man, there's days when I just feel like I have the greatest job in the world. Get in a front row seat for people's most important moments, whether they're sharing it through a survey or sitting in front of me on the microphone. Um, this is a Shame and Secret survey, and this was filled out by a woman who calls herself Bi Mom, and as in Bi. And she is um, in her 20s, uh, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment, identifies as bisexual. Um, ever been the victim of sexual abuse Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Uh, I had a few occasions with cousins and neighbors where I did what they wanted me to do because I was afraid to say no. We were all kids, so I don't know that it counts. Uh, She's been emotionally abused. My mom is crazy, and even though I have five older siblings, I'm the one she always singled out because I wasn't as religious as she thought I should be. She would intentionally make me cry as much as she could Um, You need to read the part of the Bible where Jesus encourages people to make their children cry really hard. Uh, But only when no one was around. So the few times I did try to talk about it, I sounded like a whiny kid. Any positive experiences? Uh, Yes, my mom would go from being one person to someone completely different. And when she's that nice person, she and I get along really well and have a lot of laughs. That's the reason that I continue to have a relationship with her. And man, those are the mind Yeah, that's a word. I just made it up, but it's a word. Uh, Relationships. Because it's hard to relax. You don't know who you're getting. Darkest thoughts. I have a husband and children, and sometimes I feel like I can't be enough for them, and I just want to be gone. I can't leave them because I don't want my kids to feel abandoned, and it makes me feel trapped sometimes. You know, as funny as I was thinking last night in my support group that so many of our issues or feelings that we struggle with in our lives are because we feel like there's no way out. And so we go to these black and white ideas of, I'm going to cut contact with every person I know and move to a different country. And a lot of times the biggest game changer can be just distancing ourselves from one person. But when we grow up with these past down traditional bullshit ideas that you should ex- accept your family no matter what, um, people wind up feeling trapped and and they just stuff all those feelings down. And then uh, if we can find a way, if we can just reflect on what it is that we're feeling cornered about, and examine the things that we've said, no, I'm never going to do that, that would you know, upset so-and-so, that's a good time to look at all of those things that we thought we would never do. And those can be the things that often unlock that life that we've always wanted. So what I'm telling you, the person that filled out the survey, is ditch your kids and your husband. Of course, I'm kidding about that last part. Darkest secrets. I smoked pot while pregnant with my first child. He's now in school and really smart, but has had a hard time making friends. And I still feel like any time anything is wrong with him, it's because of that. It's my deepest shame. If if that is as deep uh, as your shames get, you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. And yeah, while I certainly, uh, you know, am not gonna high five somebody that. Smoked weed while they were pregnant. Um, You know, I. Well, first of all, if you want to, I don't know what effects smoking pot can have on a kid, but you might want to go into his bedroom and listen to the music that he's playing or grab his iPod. And if a bulk of the music he's listening to has 20 minute solos in it, you fucked him up. I've yet to meet somebody that enjoys a jam band that doesn't smoke weed or drop acid. Cause really that's the only way a human body can tolerate a twenty minute solo. Uh sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. I don't have many sexual fantasies, and what I do have, uh my husband is pretty willing what? Oh God. 1940s therapist wants to know what pot is. It's uh, marijuana. Oh, you mean reefer?s Yes, yes, reefer?s You should be killed for using reefer?s Well, you know, people don't believe that you know marijuana is that that dangerous anymore. So I think you're you're a little out of touch. Listen, let me talk to that gal. Uh, This was an anonymous survey, and I don't think there's any way that you're going to be able to get in touch with her. Here's what a gal has to do for her fella. She's got to cook him a really nice dry steak in a pan, nothing else. Serve it on a plate so the steak's hanging over the edge. Or maybe you make it a full meal, a really nice healthy meal, a big steak, six potatoes, and five loaves of bread. All your food groups. You're an idiot. Thank you. Now if you don't mind, I'm gonna get in my Edsel and scrammy-kadoodle. Is that really a phrase from the 40s? As far as you know, I apologize. Continuing. I don't have many sexual fantasies, and what I do have, my husband is pretty willing to indulge in, at least for a while. It's nice to know that he and I share that. Uh, What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? If I had the balls, I would tell my mom everything she made me feel as a child and how it still affects me today. What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish I wasn't bipolar and that I could be a better mom thank you so much for, and and I love what you said. Um, Is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? All I can say is I've learned through the past decade, you can't change people uh, or how they treat you. And you have to decide whether it's worth being around them. And no mom is perfect, no matter how hard you try. Yeah, I think a lot of times the belief is is that if we cut contact or distance ourselves from someone that we are um uh judging them. No, we're just protecting our sanity, you know, or our healthiness or our just comfort level. Have compassion for other people but not at the expense of compassion for yourself. You are so pompous. Sorry man, that's how I feel. I think your fedora's a little too tight. This guy's really getting on my nerves. What do you mean this guy? You're doing the fucking voice. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by uh, a woman who calls herself Birdie. She is in her 20s, identifies as bisexual, was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment, was the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it. I was around 10 and it was from my brother who was 12. Essentially, I was groomed and then molested all over the course of probably a year. I knew it was wrong, but I was a victim of covert incest from my mother who was a narcissist and all I wanted was affection. I wanted it to stop and told him, so after a while, um, but was guilt tripped into it. I highly doubt my mom didn't know over the course of the year or so it went on, and he got so bold as to touch me when she was very likely to walk into the room we were in. I think a few times she may have been in the room, though typically I was made to come into his room at night after playing with my mom's hair for an hour or so. Uh, And then in parentheses, that's the covert shit, by the way. Uh, to make sure she was asleep. She eventually, quote, caught us because we were giggling and being noisy in his room one night. She woke up my dad and they both came up and took us in their room and ripped us both a new one. My mom was, isn't that amazing that that is the the emotional tool when you discover that your kids are being incestuous with, with each other that you would shame them. And I'm sure that was, shame was the tool used on them, but it's just, mm. Um, my mom was furious at me. My dad took my brother into a separate room so they could speak privately to us. And because I felt like it was my fault, I took part of the blame in it saying I wanted to do it No, he didn't force me, blah, blah, blah. He was my best friend, honestly. I didn't want him to get into more trouble. The next day, she forced me to go to confession. Uh, We were Catholic and not him. Wow. I never did find out why. We never talked about it again. The only way I know it wasn't a dream is because she wouldn't speak to me for a month and only glared at me. She made it about her. If your mom had cared about you She would have wanted to know what was happening in your life instead of thinking, oh, my God, there's a chance my child is going to embarrass me, and that will make me less powerful. I know because I called your mom. Um... She's been emotionally abused, obviously. Uh, like I said, my mom is narcissistic and did the whole covert molestation thing. However, the fun about her is when I wasn't her buddy, I was her scapegoat. Everything in my, everyone in my house hated me. I was the black sheep, even though I did absolutely everything. My dad worked full time to support seven kids he didn't want. You know, if you don't want kids, seven's a nice, comfortable number. <sighs> Oh my god. Yes, 7 uh 7 is the catholic number for frigidity. <laughs> if you're really into each other and you're catholic, then the numbers like 13 or 14. And you think I'm kidding. I grew up with families that had double digit kids. Um he pretty much, uh, she pretty much tricked him into uh, having the kids. She stayed home, and when she was pregnant, got insanely sick the entire six months. I think part of that may have been genuine, but not nearly as much as she made everyone think. During her last two pregnancy, I was made to do all of the mom things: cooking, cleaning, child care, homeschool lessons with kid, with the kids, babysit uh, the few daycare kids she kept, etc. I was also made to emotionally support her. She made me rub her feet, play with her hair. She cried on me all the time. The list goes on. It's hard to put it all down on paper at once, but over the course of my life in that house, I was gaslit by her, constantly put down about my looks, even though I'm honestly really pretty and was then too. I was not allowed age-appropriate grooming, such as shaving or bras, and when I finally got them, it's because I fought her tooth and nail, and then the experience that was supposed to be a fun mother-daughter thing was tarnished. Uh, all of my achievements were minimized, and I was not allowed to leave the house long enough to form friendships until 8th grade when I was finally able to go to public school. Um, wow. You experienced the narcissism uh, buffet Uh, Any positive experiences with people that abused you? Yes, especially from the sexual abuse. The hardest part is I love my brother. He went through a lot of shit in that house too. And although I blame him for doing that to me, I don't think he knew better. I just wish someone would address it. But before, during, and after, for a long time, uh, we were best friends. I mean, he was my partner through all of the hell we both went through, even though he was my mom's favorite for a long time. I would be interested to know what um, went on between your brother and your mom. Um, Although I suppose if it was the things that she did with you, that would certainly be enough to explain uh, stuff like that. But ultimately, you know, it's not about what caused it as much as it is How can I deal with this? How can I live my life without this dragging me down? Um, Darkest Thoughts Sometimes in general, but most disturbingly during sex, I almost say my brother's name instead of my boyfriend's. Also, I want to run my car off the side of the road almost every day when I'm driving. And I wish I didn't know how to swim so I could die from drowning in the ocean. Darkest secrets. The molestation is number one. Aside from that, not much. Um, those of you that are regular listeners uh, know that surveys like this are um, unfortunately all too common. Um, the... Number of commonalities, is that a right word? Between the surveys I have to read in uh, this portion of the show is striking, striking. Um, what sexual fantasies are most powerful to you? Uh, I like bondage. I'm not sure why, and I don't think I would like it in practice, but I like the idea. I don't know how to feel about me liking that. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone? Mm-mm, you haven't been able to. I would just like to tell my mom how horrible of a person she is, but she would never hear it. But it's not about getting her to hear it. That's the insane making, is wanting somebody's to absorb something. That's where we drive ourselves crazy. If you were going to say it, it would be to get it off your chest or to um, give them a reason for why you're, not coming to thanksgiving or whatever what if anything do you wish for to be less sad have you shared these things with others only one my best friend and it went okay because we're very open with each other i tell him everything and he does the same and we do our best to support each other how do you feel after writing these things down tired is there anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences god i'm sorry i really am intimacy will be hard and trust won't come easily but i really hope you find your person the one who you can open up a little bit more to they are very special and they don't even have to be a partner just a friend or even a therapist someone who makes you feel safe and heard thank you for that and i hope i hope you experience the healing that um that you deserve it sucks to go through life feeling sad all the time it really sucks i live that i live that and it's a fucking hell uh this is a shame and secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself nick and he is straight in his 30s raised in a totally chaotic environment oh uh underneath straight he writes i have an attraction to certain men that i'm not sure is entirely sexual uh, ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Um, when I was, uh, he writes some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. When I was 13, my 12-year-old stepbrother suggested we compare our genitals. I was a late bloomer and wouldn't hit puberty until a year later. Though he was younger, he was bigger, stronger, and physically more mature than I was. At the time, my penis uh, was small. I'm what you would call a grower. When he saw this, he laughed. To make matters worse, his dad came into the room and saw us. Uh, We were in bed under the covers. I was completely humiliated. Uh, He's been emotionally abused. Uh, The same stepbrother mentioned uh, before uh, bullied me a lot. Looking back, I feel he had totally dominated me and felt absolutely powerless to do anything about it. He also treated my mother, an alcoholic, like shit. One time, he picked the lock to her bedroom to find her passed out, stark naked, her marital aides lying next to her. I don't remember this clearly, but I'm pretty sure he, quote, jokingly used one of them on her. Again, I felt absolutely powerless to do anything about it. Wow. Wow. That is... Watching the person who sexually humiliated you sexually humiliate your passed out parent is... I don't even know what the right term is. Sexually humiliate? Is it rape? Whatever. It... it, That's a great phrase. Rape, whatever. That'd make a great t-shirt, wouldn't it? Fucking asshole. Oh, why am I being hard on myself? Because I'm afraid you're going to be hard on me. That's what it always comes down to, is I'm afraid you're going to judge me and you're going to leave and I'm going to die penniless and misunderstood and alone and filled with regret and what ifs, and I'll have like just a bad like like homeless rash and and like those shoes where you go, "Oh my God, I can see their toes." I actually had a pair of shoes do that when I was out of town in Toronto a couple of years ago both, sho- both shoes front of them just blew out fucking hobo city and I was on the Greyhound bus yeah Uh, any positive experiences with the abusers aside from everything I've mentioned we were like friends darkest thoughts, murder fantasies galore I wasn't always ashamed of it as a teen I reveled in my imaginary role as a tyrant anyone who had ever caused me pain faced my wrath Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Older women and certain female relatives or family friends. What if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I'd like to apologize to my dad for the way I treated him. He battled mental illness for years, and in my youthful arrogance I hated him for it. Our relationship was strained at the time of his death. That has to be a really, really hard thing to um to make peace with. And not because, you know, uh you're a terrible person for doing it, um, but that, that feeling of uh, not having made peace with um, a complicated relationship in your life. I'm afraid of how I'm going to feel when, when my mom dies. Um, what, if anything, do you wish for the ability to communicate and connect with people? Man, support groups are where it's at. How do you feel after writing these things down? Relieved. I love when I read one and I can see that one of you has felt unburdened by sharing what you share. Um, And then this is uh, also by a guy filled out uh, by a guy who calls himself Unwanted Second Chance. He's straight in his 30s uh was raised in a stable and safe environment. Um, ever been the vi- victim of sexual abuse? Uh, some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Uh, the teenage neighbor kid down the street invited me into his house a few times when I was around seven or eight to show me the pictures he had on his bedroom wall that just so happened to be a wall-to-wall, uh, happened to be wall-to-wall pornographic images. Then he would pull out his cock and tell me I should pull out mine and, quote, let it have some air. You know, doing this podcast, I have read tens of thousands of surveys. And I'm endlessly fascinated by the phrasing people use when they are manipulating someone sexually, but let it have some air has got to be at the top of the list of awfulsome. Um, let it have some air. Yeah, yeah, breeze through the little hole in the end. That's why, that's why you got to air it out because when it's in your underwear, you know, that little, you know, It can barely get oxygen through that little hole to begin with. You know, then you got your underwear and your corduroys. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I got them in corduroys. You put that on top of that. Oh my God. Throw on a parka, the thing's going to die. Let it have some air. I'm not sure if I ever did, and I'm pretty sure he never touched me, and I don't think I ever touched him, but looking back, it seems terribly inappropriate and could have gone badly quite easily. I don't think I'm scared. I'm scarred from the experience, but there must have been some subconscious effect on my sexuality and later feeling of inadequacy and not measuring up. Darkest thoughts. I'm ashamed to admit that I would rather be high on opiates all day, every day, than not. I've been clean and I've been on and I've been a full-on daily using addict and if it were financially and societally possible, I would use an ever-increasing amount of dope for the rest of my life. Darkest secrets. I was in the hospital last year uh, after an aneurysm ruptured, leaving me blind and unable to speak due to a brain injury brought on by my blood loss, nerve damage from a stroke, and I had to have 18 inches of my bowel removed due to blood loss as well. I fantasize about being able to go back to that time where I had nothing to do but stay alive and people would come see me, care for me, and show me that they love me. I felt loved there more than at any other time in my life. A huge part of me wishes I died in that accident, but no, no one that loves me can understand why I would want to do that to them. Let me tell you, Every fucking person listening to this probably understands that. It's one of the most common things I read in these surveys that people fantasize about is having something go wrong with them so that people can surround them and care for them and show them love. And that's what a support group is. That's what's so awesome is you don't have to have a broken leg. A huge part of me wishes I died in that accident, Um, but no one, okay, uh, wouldn't want to do that to them. They don't realize how much I've been thinking about dying before the aneurysm ruptured and they have no idea how much harder and more pointless my existence feels now after the accident because I can't drive anymore. My ex, who was at my side while I was in bad shape and who I love with everything in me, has moved on now that I'm not going to die and my drug addiction is a huge disappointment for my family, which just leaves me to lie about it and be creative about all the reasons why I am always broke. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Any sex in public, getting a BJ in the park, a hand job on the bus, fucking in a public bathroom, add to that a stranger and it gets even hotter. Um... Thank you for sharing all that stuff, man. It sounds like you um, are really in the thick of it. And I wish I had something to say um, where I could relate to what you're in right now. um, But I've been in pain, but the circumstances of what you're in right now... um, with the physical ailments, I I can't imagine what that is like. But here's what I do know. If we don't take care of destructive, compulsive behavior, forward movement is impossible. And I encourage you to really give that your focus. And who knows, maybe the way you feel about the other things in your life that you don't have any control over, maybe that will change. And you're worth giving that a a chance. Your life is worth that. And I'm sending you some love, man. And know that the voice of addiction speaks in black and white. It loves to to say all or never, always. This is a, a beautiful, happy moment by a woman who calls herself sane again, sane again, jiggity jig. And she writes... Uh, I have bipolar disorder, and I recently lost my mind again. My psychiatrist and I had decided to slowly and carefully replace one of my mood stabilizers with another that I hadn't tried before, and it failed spectacularly. I I hope you sold tickets. Because if you're going to have a med backfire on you, get something out of it. Put on a show. But you you have to advertise it. (laughs) Put it in Craigslist, because one that's a classy clientele uh and number 2 um you never know what is what is going to happen and um i lost my train of thought because of my meds i had a psychotic break and my poor terrified boyfriend ended up having to call my psychiatrist on my behalf because i was too busy frantically cleaning our house while chanting got to keep going through tears and laughter and in parentheses, she's put she put crafter, c r a g u h t e r. I like it. I like it. Um. Anyway, several weeks and many pounds of medication later, I gradually came back to myself. Each time I lose my mind, I lose myself right along with it, and each time I worry I'll never find myself again, but I always do. Sometimes my mind. Uh, and this is in quotes. Sometimes my mind don't shake and shift, but most of the time it does. Unquote. That's a Fiona Apple lyric that I repeat to myself each time I go off the rails. By the way, I would fucking love to get her as a guest. Um, It's been true so far, and it's my hope that as long as I can remember it, it will be true for all future breakdowns as well. Most recently... I first felt the shaking and shifting of gears in my depleted, doped-up brain while watching a new show on Netflix with my boyfriend. At first, all I could manage was to stare blankly at the television. But then, about ten minutes in, I started to follow the story and remember the characters. I knew I'd officially come back to myself when I was laughing at the jokes and identifying other movies and shows this one reminded me of. That night, for the first time in about a month, I didn't need my boyfriend to reassure me that everything was going to be all right. The creaky, shaking and shifting of gears in my brain was just the lullaby I'd been waiting for. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um and I, you know, I don't I don't want to read this next one cuz um I'm burned out on trauma. (laughs) I'm going to read, uh, finish with this one, which is from the What Has Helped You um, survey. And this is filled out by a woman who calls herself, uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And uh, her issues are uh, drugs, uh, alcohol, and uh, bulimia. And what has helped you deal with them? And she writes, This is a hard question as so many things change as you move forward uh, and back through recovery. These are the things I do every single day to reduce my vulnerabilities, and I believe she means to her addiction, and to give myself the best chance at living. The simplest yet most profound thing I've learned to do is to go inside myself. I do it probably a few hundred times a day. The best way I can explain what I mean is to consider the concept of mindfulness, letting go of attachment. going inside myself requires mindful attention, yes, but it's important um, yes, but it's important for me to create attachments too. I take it a step further and add some specific intentions, for example, I've taught myself to do a super fast body scan to identify any sensations, emotions, if I can, and then I listen for for me. Uh, the inside me. I actively try and find her. I can now just go inside myself and connect instantly, no matter what I'm doing or where I am. The general feeling I get is surprise and happiness, and I'm not scared of my emotions anymore. Yay! Exclamation point. Uh, I disconnected from my body when I was such a young girl. As I grew up, I used everything I could to stay perpetually numb, eating, barfing, drinking, drugging, medication, hibernation, uh, dedication. For many years, I never felt an emotion. I could not identify a single emotion or sensation in my body when I first arrived at the eating disorder hospital five years ago. I was incredulous. After a few months, I really started to get the hang of going inside myself and connecting and noticing my body. I started off listening to 10-minute guided meditate. Guided mindfulness meditations a couple of times a day. It's easy. Headphones, press play, and follow the guided words. It's not easy to do at first. Sometimes the pain I was really feeling took my breath away. Somehow, after years and years of therapy, talking, processing, using logic to try and recover, I realized that looking outside myself for the answer wasn't working for me. It seemed like every time I went to treatment, I knew I was missing something because I just could never get better, not even a little bit. The most amazing thing happened, though. After a few months of practicing, five to ten times a day, I started to feel excited to go inside. I looked forward to it. It's the calmest I have ever felt, and I get to do it all day. I also started feeling curious, and I still feel curious and excited almost every time I meditate. I was so out of touch with my body. It's like she was saying to me, Oh, hello, we missed you. I have so much to tell you. I intuitively knew that the key I was missing all these years was literally being still and knowing that I am alive and living right here in my body. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, And honestly, I'm a little jealous that you can get that much out of it because I've hit a roadblock with my meditation where it is me with my eyes closed thinking about myself for 20 minutes and... I need to change something, but the stubborn part of me is like, no, that's enough, that's good enough, and um, I miss, I think it might be my meds, I don't know. Let's just appreciate the fact that I was able to bring this back and make it about me. Can we can we just celebrate that briefly? Well, if you're new to the podcast, Welcome. If you're a regular listener, hello again. Uh I hope you got something out of it or at least took your mind off whatever was bothering you for a little while. Um made you feel better about it. Shed some insight on something. Made you feel less alone, brought you comfort, made you laugh, made you cry, pissed you off. I don't know if I hope for that one, but um just never forget that you're not alone. No matter what it is that you're feeling, you are not alone. And help is out there. And it's scary to ask for it, but sometimes it can be the best thing you ever did. And it was for me. And I'm glad I'm still around. Because I have you guys in my life. And I love doing this. And uh, thanks for listening.
1: Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful Everybody up up in I know some is weird way bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.